Welcome to the first episode of the Get to Know Your Professor podcast series by the Women in Computing Society at Ashoka University. This mini series was started to help students know the faculty of Ashoka's BS department better despite the distance. Your hosts for today are Athargi and I, Shrishti. Our guest for today is Professor Dibayan Gupta. Professor Gupta is an assistant professor at the CS department at Ashoka University and a visiting professor and research affiliate at MIT. He did his bachelor's degree at St. Stephen's, Kolkata, and PhD at Yale University. His research interests include cryptography, cybersecurity, secure computation, and everything in between. We welcome you to our podcast, please, Professor. So all questions for the podcast have been curated from suggestions sent in by students across all batches and majors themselves. To break the ice, we have a question for you, which we have exactly three minutes to discuss. What do you think is the problem with communism? What do I think is the problem with communism? I think it's a great piece of theory, uh, but it ends up putting too much power in the hands of too few. Very simply put. Uh, if, if I have three minutes, okay, I'll give it a try. Uh, the first time a Calcutta communist tried to explain it to me, uh, was by saying, imagine you're a kid in a class and some of the other kids are starving. Do you want to give them some of your food? I said, yes, I would love to do that. In fact, I do that sometimes. He said, there you go, you're a communist. And I said, no, because what I don't want is to have the class monitor be enabled by law to take my food and give it to that person. I want to give it myself. That choice, that individual choice is sacred to me. Um, and inevitably, what you see in communist societies is that sometimes, especially in the case of, let's say, Calcutta, initially, there, there are some good things that happen. There's a lot of bad things. Revolutions murder a lot of people. But there's also some good things. But within one generation, there's only bad things left. Right. Um, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, so what encouraged you to turn to teaching computer science to the edgy Gen Z? I don't know, actually. I mean, very honestly speaking, it's uh, my, my, my desire to teach comes from my desire to learn. I, I, I'm not one of those people that enjoys teaching only uh, high-end courses. I do that from time to time. I, I will teach advanced courses, but I really like teaching introductory courses as well because I'll be honest, you know, this is something that people say that, oh, well, you know, and as you teach, you learn more because the material is, that's not really what happens. But I've found that if you really know something well, you can express it in five minutes to someone who doesn't know it. And if you can't do that, you really don't understand it. And it, it's not that the students are giving back to me. That happens on occasion, but not always. But the very act of simplifying something to a point where I can get it across to people who do not have that background, that is a very good, that has a certain sort of honing effect, which I really like. Um, Professor, what would you say is your favorite project that you've worked on in your professional life so far? So I, 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 I would say my favorite projects 
I'll, I'll give you one that, that actually failed, but is probably my favorite simply because it changed my area pretty much. So I was working uh, about a decade ago. I was, it was one of my first projects in the sort of security area because I was starting out, I, I, I started my PhD working on AI, not even AI, it was sort of robotics really. Um, and it was fun stuff. We, we got to experiment with babies, which was great. Um, and we were trying to help toddlers with autism learn how to make eye contact by having them play with robots, which would automate certain things. Anyway, that's beside the point. But I started doing this project on, uh, it was actually a databases project. It was a secure database project. Um, and it was funded by this Department of Defense grant. And the whole idea was we needed to have this big database where people needed to be able to make queries which were secret, right? So no one in the world should know what question you ask the database. But at the same time, there must be a system policy in place. Things like you can't search for John Smith, right? You're, not allow you're allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that or people whose names start with A are not allowed to search for John Smith. There will be a system policy in place, but that system policy is also secret. So you have an encrypted database, garbage, on top of which you're running encrypted queries, garbage, with a policy in place, which is also encrypted, also garbage. So searching garbage for garbage while subject to garbage uh, is sounded very interesting, worked on it for about a year, uh, at which point certain chapman named Ed Snowden said some bad things about what was going on there. And all of the people whom we were working with disappeared, right? Like the office where we were, that we were talking to, suddenly all the people disappeared. None of the phone numbers worked. Like our grant disappeared. Like everything just vanished. Um, they gave us the rest of our money, actually, but the actual grants process wasn't there. Um, and, and we quickly realized that what we were working on was actually funded by these very dodgy people. Um, and that they were going to take the research that we had done and use it for something that we would probably not have approved of. Because they had told us it was going to be used for like privacy preserving something or the other. Clearly, everything was an excuse. They were going to use it for something else. So that got me really interested in sort of the surveillance and ethics side of things. That's great to know. So um, our next question is, what is your thought process when you're deciding to explore something that is new or unfamiliar to you? Um, it is not as solid as you, I, I would like it to be. Honestly, I, I, I look for two, three things. Number one, if it doesn't really interest me, like what is my basic interest level? And this is sort of instinctive interest level. This is not, oh, I've thought deeply about this and this seems like something with depth. No, 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 no. This is like, ooh, shiny, right? Magpie mentality, very, very shallow. Uh, but at the same time, so, so that's one part. The second is the cost benefit ratio, right? So I suppose you can call it, you know, the Silicon Valley fail fast motto, whatever, uh, which is if I do this, how much time will it take me to figure out if this is going to work out or not? 
And if that time is, I, I'll, I'll do it for a few weeks or a few months and I'm done and I'll know if there's value to it or not, then I'll just do it. Right. So I, 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 I do this kind of cost benefit, depending on how attractive it is initially. I'll be like, hey, this idea is super attractive and I only need to work at it for a few weeks before I understand whether it's worth something or not. I'll totally do it. Right. Um, that's those are the main two things. And the third backup thing is usually, is there a person who is willing to really do the hard work for it? Right. Because I, I, I rarely work alone. There are only two or three projects on which I, I am working alone, mainly because those are very long term ideas. And just sort of it, it, it is not fair for me to take a problem that I've been thinking about for eight years and tell a student, hey, you think about it, too. Right. So um, is there a student or someone else who's willing to sort of collaborate with me on that? So those are sort of the two and a half things that I juggle when I'm deciding to explore something new. Hopefully we'll find more people in the category three after this. Um, if there was one thing you could change in the history of computational thinking, just one thing that you could go back and sort of think of it, what would it be and why? Wait, how far can I go back? As far as I mean, you want to uh, Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I, I, I think it's, if if I really could, um, what I would do is I, I wouldn't actually go that far back because I think a, a, a lot of these things when people say, oh, if you went back in time 3,000 years, you could do that. And it's like, no, you could do jack. Nobody would understand what you were saying, right? Um, if I could change one thing, it would be to... Uh, go back to maybe 1970s or 1980s around that time um, and really bake in a bunch of ethics and security into the foundations of a lot of the internet. Because, I mean, I, I discussed this in this new geography class and all of that. I think a lot of the bad effects of the internet are something that are sort of baked into it at this point. Um, I, I wouldn't actually go back too much further than that because I suspect any changes that were made would, would, would sort of get changed back over time. Um, but sort of ethics and security are two things that we tend to sort of, we build a product first and then we put ethics and security on top. Um, if I could change that in a way where those became sort of core aspects of it, you know, if you had a law like GDPR, I don't agree with all aspects of the GDPR in the EU, but suppose you had something like that from the 1960s and 70s, it would have completely changed the way security and privacy are handled. Um, so that that that's what I would do. Right. Um, what do you think will be the talk of the town in the area of research in the coming decade? Oh wow, that I, I don't know. I, I I genuinely don't know. Um, Wait, L let, me, let me clarify that question a little bit. When you say talk of the town, do you mean what's hyped or what's actually working? Like right now, for example, quantum computation is very much talk of the town, but it's not like we have loads of quantum computers doing amazing stuff. It's just talk. So which one are you asking for? What's the next big hype going to be or what's the next big thing that really works is going to be? 
um, probably the next big thing that really works. Um, it's not going to be quantum computers. It's not going to be AI doing everything. And it's not going to be so-called ubiquitous computing either. Right? What I suspect it's going to be is uh, assistive computing of some sort. Right? You're going to see a lot more, you know, like cruise control in a car. You're going to see a lot more of that. You'll see many, many, many more cars having automated parking. Right? You're not going to have auto driving, but you'll have lots more cars being like, you come to a spot and you hit and it'll parallel park automatically, right? Uh, you'll see the same thing with, let's say, writing essays, right? You, you, you might not get, you know, GPT-3 style stuff for everything, but you will get stuff where you can write, write out sort of a skeleton and this thing fills everything in and writes sentences properly and sort of puts in the fluff and puts in reasonable citations. And then you come in again and do another round. So I think... That's still not super acceptable, but it will become very acceptable very soon, where you, you, you have all of this assistive stuff happening. And that's really going to be the next big thing that works. What used, you're, you're going to sort of take away a lot of the fluff from the work. What used to take, I mean, you'll just do sort of the main one hour of work and the remaining nine hours will be done automatically. So now that we're done with the serious questions, um, Professor, how do you like to spend your non-work time? Oh, um, I do all sorts of things. So I used to try, I was going to say something like I travel a lot, but I'll, I'll change that to past tense. I used to travel a lot, right? And anytime I was free, I would go traveling. And I, I have been to a lot of different countries I, I usually try to make an excuse for it by giving talks at random universities. And then I'll just sort of, oh, I, it's work. So then, then I'll go travel around the area. I, 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 and when I say travel, I do mean like I walk. I, I don't sort of do the sort of, uh, you know, stay at a hotel, take a car to specific uh, sightseeing locations. I don't do that. Um, I will usually try and uh, taxi drivers are the best people for this. I will try and make friends with some local people and then figure some stuff out. And then I'll just literally walk around places. Uh, so that that's what I love to do. But outside of vacation time, normally reading, I, I, I am an absolutely horribly voracious reader. Um, I, I have had to cut it down somewhat, but even then, like I, I, I will, read something almost every waking moment. Right. So um, we will now have a rapid fire round for clickbait culture. So um, first question for that is, if there was a biopic made in your life, what would be the soundtrack and which actor do you wish played your role? Oh, I hate all actors. I, 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 I actually wouldn't care. Uh, you can ask me why I hate actors later. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't care who played me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly pretty, so it doesn't matter. Um, but if, if a biopic was made, what was the first part of the question? Like other than the actor? What would the soundtrack be? Oh, the soundtrack. Uh, does it need to be instrumental? It can be anything. 
Oh, I, 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 if if it can be absolutely anything, then uh, I, I, I would very much uh, like to go for almost any piece by Harry Belafonte. Um, that man's music has had a very large impact on my life. So I almost anything by him will do. Right. Um, the next question is, which figure in the history of computer science do you think is massively overrated? Massively overrated? Uh, I don't know, Babbage maybe? Yeah. I don't think he was like... I mean, he did some amazing stuff, but like father of computing, like, please. <laughs> right. Um, what is your favorite subject except computer science? Oh, uh, I have two, literature and history. Like I, I, I do a lot of physics as well, but it's not my favorite, favorite subject. Uh, literature and history are both my favorites. Favorite color? Uh, blue. I was in uh, the blue house when I was in school. So I think that may have had an impact. That's how I actually chose my uh, university. Like when, when I was applying to PhD, I got into a bunch of places and uh, Yale's colors had blue and white and none of the other places I got into had blue. Uh, so that's literally how I chose it. Interesting. Um, favorite movie? Oh, come on, really? Favorite movie? One, I have to choose one. Um, I mean, I, I'll be horribly predictable and say Lord of the Rings. Um, favorite city? Favorite city? I'm from Calcutta. What do you think? So not Calcutta. Uh... Yes, Calcutta. Obviously, Calcutta. <laughs> um... Okay, tabs or spaces? Oh, when coding? Um, I actually have my tabs designed to insert spaces. So, uh, spaces. If you were to dye your hair, which color would you choose and why? Blue, because it's my favorite color. Come on, that's easy. <laughs> um, a guilty pleasure. Sorry? A guilty pleasure. Oh, I, 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 I mean, I, I am easily, easily, easily the worst procrastinator ever. Um, so whenever I, I, I have other work to do, um, I will find either a book to read or a magic. I, I do a lot of sleight of hand stuff. Um, and so I, I will be like, oh, I need to learn this magic trick or something. And I will procrastinate horribly on that stuff, pretending to do some other work while I'm doing it. I don't know if that counts as a guilty pleasure, but that, that's very much what I end up doing. Oh, and reels. Like I spend so much time on reels. I, I think that counts. Yes. But I don't no, do it for my own I, I, I have a thing which counts how many hours I do. So I take my wife's phone and I do, do, like, do everything from there. So... She sees her Insta time go up, which is great. Um, who would you say is your favorite supervillain? Magneto. If you could save only, if you could save only one book from your library, which one would it be? Why would I need to save the books? I've already read all the books in my library. 
and the one time he or she does it perfectly, that time is replicated. And every time it's replicated, that person earns more money. Like, wouldn't that be fun? And I'm sure people say acting is hard. It's not as hard as surgery, probably, right? For most people and for most surgeries. So how come actors and actresses, act, I'm using the term actor in a gender neutral way there, um, gain so much, I mean, power is the right word. I'm not just talking about money, right? Uh, with the vast majority of them using it, frankly, like massively frivolously, right? So I, I am deeply disappointed in our society as a whole for being so frivolous and trivialistic, I suppose. Given that society as a whole gives so much importance to actors and actresses and singers and so on and so forth, um, I can't change society right now. So I make up for that overall positive by being very negatively biased against them. So I'm like, society, you, the more you love actors, I'm going to try and even that out by hating on everyone. That is literally the reason. Um, yes, you are the act of balance. <laughs> the sword No, um, I'm serious about that. Like, I, 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 I did some solid. What do they say when, when, when people lose elections? Self-introspection. Yeah. So I did some solid <laughs> self-introspection about wait. Am I just jealous that people that I consider to be not super bright or super useful or super nice or whatever are just getting more money or celebrity or whatever than I am? And I thought, and I realized that it really wasn't that, right? I am biased even against actors who are not famous and not rich. Let's put it that way. Um, I, 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 I dislike, it is not a reaction to the people who are acting themselves or their success. It is a reaction to society's, what I consider to be unfair and foolish admiration thereof. Mm -hmm. That's fair. <laughs> um, with this, we come to the end of our first podcast of the Get to the Professor series. Thank you so much for coming to our podcast, Professor. It was a pleasure to host you. A huge thank you to all students listening right now. We hope this can bridge the gap between online and offline in some way. Stay tuned until our next time. This is the Get to Professor Sutwish at Ashoka University. Take care, take care everyone. Bye-bye. I know.